You know, one of the things that is true about us as humans is the positive experiences we have in our lives often get attached to stuff or to people or to places or, or even to music, you know? Uh, for example, is there a song that when you hear it, it provokes some kind of emotion or, or some kind of memory in your past? I, I know that's true of me, where you hear that song and, and when you hear that song, you remember when she told you that she was in love with someone else, you know? Or, or when you hear that song, you remember that that's when you graduated high school. It was from that era. Uh, or you hear a song and that's when you remember this, this just exhilarating moment in your life. Like I remember, for example, hearing the Rocky theme song for the first time and, and wanting to immediately just do one-arm push-ups. And, you know, I can do a couple, but, but not that many. But there was a time, you know, in my life when, man, I was drinking the protein shakes and working out a lot and doing the whole thing. Because every time I heard that music, though, guys, the adrenaline would just rush through my body and I would just want to be Rocky. It evoked those emotions inside of me. And some of you may remember Chariots of Fire. Man, when that music started playing, you were just wired because it just provoked something inside of you, such a powerful theme song. We are creatures of time and space. And that's obviously by design. And that can be a very positive thing uh, because one of the things that you want to do as a human being is to integrate your life by learning from the past. Like that's considered a positive thing. And using the past to actually live the best in the present and, and to create a better future. See, the past can benefit us if we treat it properly. But sometimes we get the process wrong. We have this tendency as, as human beings to get trapped in the past, some of us, in a way that was never intended for us to get trapped, to, to be disconnected from the present and, and really it causing us to ignore the future altogether. I'm choosing today to read a, a particular passage of scripture that I think is very relevant to what is going on around us in the world right now and in our community. Uh, it's in Isaiah chapter 43. You'll notice if you're just joining us for the first time, we don't put all of the words on the screen for you because we want you to actually pick up your own Bible and uh, use that as we go through it. So we're going to put the reference up here for you uh, so you can follow along. But grab your Bible and follow along with us. There's also a Bible you can access from uh, the place where you're watching the service from if you're in our live service. So take advantage of that. But Isaiah chapter 43 and we're going to begin in verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls. 
because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. Some powerful words there from God to his chosen people, to the people of Israel. And you know, I, I love this particular conversation that God is having with his people because there are moments in history, you know, where the conversation just sort of elevates. It just, it starts to get exciting. Like you hear that song and something inside you just rises up. Because there are moments in history where the conversation does that and you know, uh, there are those introductory conversations that we all have where, you know, people are just getting to know each other and maybe the conversation's more superficial or surface level or casual or maybe just a conversation that, you know, lets you know who I am and, and to understand who you are. But then there's the next level of relationship where the relationship goes deeper and the conversations get much more intense. And if the relationship ever actually moves to a healthy place, there are levels of, of proper expectation that you have of one another. Levels of commitment and levels of trust and even covenant in some relationships. And this is one of those conversations that God is having with his people that I think in many ways deals with one of the most significant dilemmas that we have in our lives as followers of the living God. And we need to pay attention to this conversation for that very reason. I think one of the most difficult things in life to get over uh, is a failure. Would you agree? One of the most challenging things in life is to get over a moment where you felt wounded or betrayed or, or a moment in your life where you felt shattered or broken or hurt deeply. Those are difficult things in your past to, to get over and move on from. And, you know, when things go bad, people understand it, it takes you time to regroup and get yourself back in alignment with the direction that your life should be going in. But there are other times in life that are almost kind of surprising where you're actually trapped in the past, not because of the pain that holds you there, but you're actually trapped in the past because of all the good that happened there. And I think that's where a lot of us find ourselves today. That some of you are actually trapped in the past, not even because of pain or failure, but because of so much good that was happening in what's now the past that doesn't seem to be happening in your life or around the world right now, in the present. And so you're trapped there, and you end up in a moment where because of all the sum total of your history in the past, you're now not prepared to face a moment that's right before you in the present. So here we are in the year 2020, the year of chaos, <laughs> am I right? And I, I don't know what 2019 was like for you, or, or maybe the years before that, and I would imagine that that before 2020, most of you had probably a combination of good and bad. You probably had a combination of successes and failures, of blessings and curses, and you know, of moments of great celebration, but also moments of great disappointment. 
you could probably look back, and, and if I say just look back at one moment, you'd say that, man, that was an amazing year, the best year of my life. And in another moment of that year, you might say, that was a horrible year. That was the worst year of my life. Anybody resonating with that? And you may feel as if you're sort of trapped in almost this bipolar experience, not knowing which one it is. Was it good? Was it bad? I remember both moments. And for some of you, it really is going to depend on what you choose to remember. But whether you're looking back on the best or the worst in your past, the greatest danger, guys, is to actually get trapped there in the past. Whether it's because you're, you're stuck in the pain that you can't move past, or whether it's because you're stuck in what you wish was still here that was there that was so amazing back then. See, what's happening in this particular moment in Scripture is that Israel is facing a new challenge. Sounds familiar, right? They've been slaves forever, if you know their history. They were slaves to the Egyptians, slaves to the Babylonians, slaves to the Persians, and slaves to the Egyptians again, and then slaves to the Romans. And really, Israel's history is, is one of, if you know their story in full, momentary freedom here and there, but mostly bondage. Mostly turmoil. And so a lot of times when people read the history of Israel, they go, well, you know, God has been unfairly kind to those people. I mean, they're his chosen people, and look at all the good and the advantages they had, and he treated them better than all the other nations. And when people say that, I'm going, have you read the story? <laughs> because if there has ever been a people in the history of the world that has been under more oppression more hardship, more slavery, more bondage, and more downright undesirable conditions. It was the people of Israel. If you don't think that, you haven't read their story. And, and so much of this in their lives was out of response to being called the people of God because they were called the people of God and God himself said that. They were treated the worst of anybody in history. And, and so much of this was out of that and because God called them to a higher standard, really, is what it boils down to. He simply demanded more of them and more from them. And so in that same vein, he also allowed more to happen to them so that they could actually become the people that they needed to become. Because it's out of adversity, it's out of hardship, it's out of turmoil and trials and tribulation that we actually grow the most as followers of Jesus Christ. That God actually does the biggest things. The things that, after the fact, looking back, are the things that we typically talk about the most and get more excited by. But it's hard to see that in the moment. So God, in other words, would let the Babylonians get away with stuff that he would not let the Israelites get away with. He, he let the Philistines get away with stuff that he wouldn't let the Israelites get away with. He would let the Egyptians get away with stuff that he wouldn't let the Israelites get away with. And there were times, if you read the story, that the Israelites said, wait a minute, this isn't right. Look at them. They're worse than us. That people group's worse than us, and, and that nation's worse than us, and that neighborhood's worse than us, or whatever it might be. Those people are, are not living up to your standards as much as we are, and, and look at how they, they seem to be being blessed, and we're being persecuted and, and, and crushed in some ways. They're more evil than us. They're more destructive than us. They're more selfish than us. They're more greedy than us. They worship false gods. I mean, at least we're sort of worshiping you, God. 
most of the time. I mean, we're, we're trying to keep a high percentage of the commandments. I mean, God, at least we know the commandments. I mean, that should count for something. We have them in our head at least. And God pretty much said to them, this is exactly why I'm holding you to a higher standard. Because you know far more information. The information in your head goes far beyond the level of your obedience and faithfulness. And I need to hold you to a higher standard because of that. It's almost as if God was saying to them, if you really study the whole story, the whole picture of the history of the world through all of Scripture, it's as if God was saying, I am using you as the pen through which I'm writing human history. And strangely enough, this is also what God invites us into, believe it or not. This extraordinary experience, this relationship with God himself where he uses us as the pen which he writes human history with. It's a beautiful thing. And so there's this pivotal verse, though, where he says, put away the former things. Put them away. You've been dwelling on them too much. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. He says, but will you be aware of it? It's a question I'd like to ask many of you today. In this time of turmoil and chaos we find ourselves in right now in the world, if God were to say to you, hey, hang on, I'm doing a new thing right now. There's new coming. But will you even be aware of it? Will you even perceive it? I would ask how many of you are even trying to perceive the good and the move of God that might be happening during these difficult times. Because what he's trying to do here is lead Israel to have a proper relationship with time. And the biblical, God-ordained, appropriate relationship that his people, us, should have with time is to build on the past, live in the present, and live for the future. And we don't all do it that way. See, building on the past is different from living in the past. Those are two separate things. There, there's kind of a, a, a peculiar passage here. You, you guys ever read the Bible and you just kind of pretend that you know what it means? Like it's a bizarre thing that you just read, but you want to sound smart, so you just pretend you know what it means and don't stop and actually ask questions and try to figure out what it means? Yeah, I know a lot of you do that. Oh, it's so cool. It's poetic. There's horses and armies, and wow, that's awesome. But why don't we just pause for a minute like many of us don't? Just pause and pretend that this is actually supposed to make sense. Pretend that everything in here is supposed to make sense when you read it. So Israel is in captivity to the Babylonians at this time, and, and they have these massive ships that are coming across the ocean. They've conquered Israel. They're the victor. And now this is what the Lord says in that context. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. What's he talking about? 
Does that sound familiar? See, ironically, what God's describing to them is how God saved them prior to this from Egypt, from Egyptian captivity. And so this is one of those thematic stories that God wanted them to remember his faithfulness. If you go through the Bible, there's, there's a phrase all the way through that God says again and again and again. He says, remember, 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 remember. He repeats it so many times. And normally, that phrase, remember, is all about this when you read it in there. This story about how they were in captivity to the Egyptians. And he always refers back to that constantly. God, and God raised up Moses and he went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. You know the story. And how he sent them out into the wilderness and he parted the waters and how they crossed the Red Sea and then he swallowed up the Egyptians, their enemy, and they wandered in the wilderness for all those years. And God says, remember that. Okay, remember, remember. Remember how I did this. Remember how I set you free. Remember how I delivered you from bondage. And then he goes on. And, and man, it's such a powerful conversation. It becomes incredible in its power to just provoke faith, just to pull that faith out of the people. He, he says, remember how I gave you water out of a rock? Remember that miracle? How I, how I sent manna from heaven? How I sent meat from the sky for you to consume? God said, remember all of this. And then now, in the passage we just read, he's saying, forget it. Put away the former things. Don't dwell on the past, he's saying. You ever feel like God is confusing you? <laughs> like what? I, can, can you imagine being Israel when you just hear the, this theme over and over again from God? Remember, remember, remember. And then he says all of a sudden, you know, forget it. Stop remembering it. Just like that. And see, here's the key. There is a difference between remembering something and being trapped in the memory of it. Two different things. And Israel had remembered that God had done so much for them that they thought that that was now the best moments of their life and it was all downhill from there. Which I know is how many of you feel today with the 2020 junk that's going on all around us. They thought, man, that was the best moment of our life. It's all downhill from here. So now they're in captivity to the Babylonians and they just keep remembering what God did rather than believing what God could do now. And that's where some of you are living. You remember all the good that God did in our church, all the good God did in your life, all the good God was doing in our community or our world before all this stuff hit and you're stuck, you're trapped in the memory of the goodness of God instead of believing that even in the midst of the darkest moments we're facing today, believing that he can and will do it again. And that's a tragedy if you're trapped there. We gotta get you out of there. So he says, put away the former things. Do not live in the past. So now, guys, we find ourselves in the year 2020, which most of us just kinda wish would go away already, right? And we're remembering what life was like before 2020, before all this hit. Man, church looked different, our economy looked different, my retirement account looked different, my friends looked different, our workplaces looked different, and going out in public looked different. 
traveling and vacations and all this stuff that just seems to have been hijacked. And most of us at this point probably just wish we could go back to, to 2019 before any of this chaos even happened. And so, so here's maybe a starting point for many of you that find yourselves trapped in the past. Here's a beginning point for you. Stop living in the past and build on the past. Okay? Stop living in the past and instead build on the past. You're not supposed to have amnesia from the past. That's not what I'm saying. It's important to remember the past. It's important to remember history and it's important to remember everything that God has done in you and around you and, and, and in history. It's important to remember every failure so that you can learn from them, right? It's important not to forget the things that you went through in your life because those are the things that actually made you who you are today. And so intelligent memory is, is really important. That's not a bad thing. You know, some people never seem to learn from their mistakes. They never learn from the past, and they just keep repeating the past over and over and over again. It's like you'd think that you'd learn from the past when you've done it that many times, but so many people don't, and, and, and I've been there too. And that's the way that God wants us to remember, though. He wants us to remember in, in this way, that we would glean and extract what we can from all of our life experiences, those things that we're going to need for tomorrow, but we gotta be really careful not to live in the past because that's something entirely different. You know, those of you who've been with us at Rise Church for, for several years, you've seen God do some incredible things. You know, for some of you though, that's the only picture you have of us. And, and, and I've been looking at our journey lately and just, just thinking back on the past and going, you know, we've had some amazing days. We've had so many amazing days in our Rise Church family where God has done miracles and he's done incredible things. And you know, there have been moments where I just couldn't wait to see what God was gonna do next with Rise Church. And so many people coming to, to new faith in Christ over the years and so many people deciding to get baptized and follow Jesus and people being healed from, from illnesses and marriages restored and people breaking free from addictions in powerful ways. And I could go on and on about how, how the last few years have been for our church family with God just doing all these amazing things. But I have to be honest with you, even in the midst of all that, I feel like there were many people in our church family who, who in a lot of ways were just on autopilot, just, just kind of showing up and just being here at one day a week, maybe two days a week, but not really engaging or participating in anything, kind of like coming to the show and then walking out. And so I want us as a church family, as a community of faith, I want us to look backward and learn from the past and celebrate the past. But the reason I want us to do that is so that we can have fuel for the future because the future's coming. And it's not as dark as some of you may think. Here's a question for you. What if 2020 for Rise Church, even for the church as a whole, across the nation or the world, okay, what if 2020 is not really about coronavirus or any of the other stuff going on around us that has us all stressed? What if 2020 is the year where God is choosing to redefine who we are as a community of his people? Better yet, 
where it all starts, where it all begins. What if this is the year that God is choosing to redefine who you are and who I am as followers of Jesus? Starting with our hearts, starting with our vertical relationship with God through Jesus Christ, which if you don't have that and hone that and participate in that daily, none of the other stuff even matters, guys. And I'm sharing this with you to get you excited because the future is exciting. I believe that with all my heart. I have total faith in that. You know, maybe there's some new things. We're already starting to see it, that God wants to do in our city, in our church family, in our homes, in our lives, throughout the world. And he's using this challenging time, like he has throughout history, by the way, to help us reinvent ourselves, uh, a new way of experiencing the way we're supposed to live in Christ. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but the way that many of us were living in Christ before this thing hit was not the way God intended so he can certainly use a crazy time like this to, to reinvent us and realign us with where we're supposed to be heading. You know, and so I realize things look different right now. I realize that church looks different right now. Um, and, and, you know, and, and will look very different, by the way, even when we begin meeting in person on the weekends, which is probably coming fairly soon. It's simply not going to look exactly as it used to. But what if that's not a bad thing? Have you thought about that? Or are you just negative all the time because you're trapped in the past of what used to be? You know, so many people are using that word, I can't wait to return to normal, I can't wait to return to normal. Let me be blunt, okay? For a large percentage of Christians, normal was living out their faith in a very mundane, casual, lukewarm, almost apathetic way, where it was not a priority, where they didn't care very much about the things of God. It was more of, a, of, of just a hobby for them. You know, it was kind of like come to church instead of be the church. Consume church on the weekend instead of contribute to the mission of the church. Get what I can get out of it instead of asking what I can give to it for the benefit of others. Defining church as a gathering of Christians on the weekend for a little over an hour rather than as a living, breathing body of believers that acts as God's body in the world throughout the week on a daily basis. You know, seeing church as a once a week thing or event rather than as a daily way of life. See, a lot of people I'm hearing are craving what was in the past. And I'm just going to be direct with you. What was in the past isn't coming back necessarily anytime soon. A lot of it will. A lot of the good, a lot of the stuff God always intended, but a lot of it shouldn't come back. So what I'm saying is let's not allow ourselves during this time to fall asleep by what we know or think we know and lose what remains in the unknown. Because if you look at scripture, if you look at church history, and even if you look at the most exciting times where God moved in his people in the biggest ways throughout history, it was in the unknown. It was during the times of uncertainty where things were shaken up and normal was completely uprooted. That's where God, that's where God sets up camp and does the biggest things. That's where it gets exciting. And so I want to challenge you today to suit up. <laughs> to, to gear up as the people of God because big things are coming. Because we're going to learn from the past. Mark my words. 
and we're going to build on the past. But we're not going to be trapped or stay in the past or live in the past. We're going to believe that God is inviting us into a tomorrow that is greater than anything we've ever experienced before. And that, so here's the thing though. For us to do that on a corporate level as the church, all of us together, we first have to do it on a personal level. So all of us need to get that relationship with God right. All of us need to do that daily. We need to be working on that. We need to have that intimacy developed with our creator. And you also have to to start with your faith and what you believe. What is your worldview right now? You have to believe that your future is better than your past. And so I wonder today if you believe that for yourself. If you're leaning into the remainder of 2020 with this excitement that the future is going to be better than yesterday. I didn't say easier or more comfortable, by the way. I said better. Almost every time I would even argue, better is actually out of your comfort zone. Better is abnormal. Better goes against the grain in God's kingdom. And really, that, that can you get to a place, is my question, that no matter how bad 2020 has been, it just means there's a lot more that we can actually learn and grow from right now. That perhaps yesterday and today are actually preparing us for amazing things that are going to happen tomorrow. But if all you ever spend your time and your energy on is thinking and stressing about how last year was amazing and this year's not, you know, last year was really great and I wish we could go back to how things were before all this hit and if that's you, you might be living in danger of being like Israel, which we can learn from them too. They were always remembering the best days and believing they were behind them instead of in front of them. And that's a dangerous place to be. We need to build on the past, not live in the past. But we do need to learn to live in the present. That's another thing. It says, put away the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I love this. Again, I think this is a great contrast. Because you go to Solomon, who said, there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) Right? And I think that's where a lot of us live. There's nothing new under the sun. You just keep cycling back, and you're absolutely right. You can live a life where there's essentially nothing new under the sun. A lot of people live their whole life that way, where there's nothing new under the sun. Or you can choose the other path, which is even in the times of adversity, you can actually hear what God is whispering into your soul, like he's attempting to do during this season that I feel like a lot of people are not opening their ears to. He's whispering to many of us, to all of us, behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And guys, I am convinced that that is the the basic essence of human existence. That when we are holding on to the old so tightly, we start to actually feel our lives slipping away. But the alternative, when we allow the new to be born, to be reborn, rebirthed, and reformed inside of us, then we start to feel alive and full and vibrant even in times of adversity. My understanding is that ourselves, you know, we just keep changing. 
constantly, and, and we really probably become an entirely new creature every seven years or so if you were to track it, <laughs> right? Think about when you graduated high school at age 18, seven years later, were you even remotely the same creature? No, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Transformation. And I don't know why we get reinvented older <laughs> every time we're reinvented. Every time we grow, we're always older by the time we do. But we do get reinvented. And there's something beautiful and wonderful about the way that God has designed us as humans. We were designed for the new, not for the old. That theme's all throughout Scripture. I don't have time to hit on all of it. You know, but think about it this way. Try to live on yesterday's oxygen. Try to live on your last breath. Think about it. Living on your last memory is as foolish as living on your last breath, yet many of us constantly live off of our last memory instead of creating new ones. It means you've designed yourself or assigned yourself really to perish if all you do is live off your last memory. I know a lot of guys in their 40s and 50s that still, every time you talk to them, all they want to talk about is, is their, their sports career in high school or college, and they're in their 40s or 50s now. They're, all, they're always living off their past memories, and those are great memories. Celebrate them. Enjoy talking about them. But if that's all you think about, if, that's all, if you wish you were back in the glory days instead of just creating new memories and, and allowing God to use you for the new now, you're wasting your life. You know, one of the hard things about living in the present is that we have the ability to look backward in very selective ways. You know, if we want to, we can remember everything we've done well in our past and feel really good about ourselves constantly. Or we can choose to remember only our failures and, and have a very inaccurate, insecure view of our value and worth. And, and the present, which we are all in right now, it really demands our full attention, doesn't it? It's so much easier to remember the past or, or to dream about the future. It's really hard to just be right here in this moment, especially when the moment is what it is right now. I mean, honest question. Answer it with whoever you're watching with. Do you guys, like, ever just sit around and watch TV and that's, like, all you do? Or do you actually have deep conversations with each other? No, seriously, like, like, do you ever communicate with each other or do you just stare at screens for a ridiculous amount of times in your house? Do you ever talk with others about the choices that you need to make today in the present in order to help create a better future that you dream of or that God might dream of? Because it requires being present in the present before you can create the better future. You can't just sit around only dreaming about the future without being present in the moment. It doesn't work that way. You know, I, I think sometimes for us, it's very hard to be present in the present. But if you're not present in the present, guys, you're not going to be aware of what God is doing in your life because he's doing it in your life right now. And I know it's tempting to retreat during seasons like this. I know that's where some of you are, to want to be distracted from what's happening around us, to hide from it, to not want to talk about it, to... To, to live in our little bubble and just pretend none of it's happening. To just keep living for it to be over. 
But guys, it's in the present that God shapes us. It's in the present that we have opportunities to grow and be shaped into who God created us to be. And it's typically, by the way, during the seasons of challenge and difficulty that he actually shapes us the most, right? So stop hiding from the present and be present in the present. And you know, sometimes it's because we just don't want to see it. I try to be intentional every year by taking some specific time every year just to rest and refocus, to just unplug, shut everything off, and, and just be present in the present moment. Just get away and not be surrounded by constant humanity. And you know, to be honest with you, that's where Amy and I have actually had our deepest, most life-transforming conversations is those times every year where we unplug and get away and just refocus. And I'll typically do some venting <laughs> about how crazy and, and busy life has been and how it's driving me crazy. And guys, my wife is so wise. There have been times where it's like, it's like Amy almost thinks it's great that we've gone through challenges or that even that I've gone through a challenge and, and because she's good with empathy. Trust me, she's very good with empathy but she's even better with insight. It's as if the Holy Spirit speaks directly through her to me so often. And you know, sometimes I just need pity though, right? <laughs> but she said quite a few times in, in these words or something similar, look, Jared, I think we need to focus on what God is trying to do through this. Jared, have you thought about what God might be doing through this? And you know, I, I don't know if enough of you have been asking that question. Instead of just hating where we're at right now, have you ever asked the question during the last couple of months, what might God be doing through this? Do you ever feel like God keeps changing the rules? <laughs> I mean, look at this passage of scripture. He changed the rules. It's no longer the Egyptians, it's the Babylonians. And if you look He's saying if you look for the solutions that worked in the past, you're going to fail in this new season. And some of you need to take that to heart. If you're looking for the stuff that worked in the past to work during this new season we're entering into, it's probably not going to work. You know, some of you think that the best way to do church is the way that you've always done it in the past. Uh, God may feel different. Just pointing that out. Just saying. Just saying. But I think for some of us, the reason that we have a hard time being present and, and living in the present moment is because the present actually requires a level of sensitivity in the moment to pay attention to what God is doing now. Not what has God done in the past that I like to study and, and think about. Not what is God going to do in the future. The question is, what is God doing right now? in my heart, in my life, in my marriage, in my household, in my family, in my church, in the world, what is he doing right now? We need to ask that question more often. And nobody else can do that for you. You have to do that. You have to ask those questions. This is very personal and very intimate. You have to build that intimate relationship with God because, guys, I've said this before, I'm going to keep beating it into everybody. You have to, <laughs> say it this way, your knowledge can only carry you so far. Your knowledge really can't carry you into the future anymore, even if you feel like it carried you before. It's not going to work. 
your pretending to be something you're not cannot carry you into the future. The mask that you wear in front of everybody cannot carry you anymore. Your wishes for how things would return to normal will not carry you into the future God is building. The only thing that will carry you is to begin to fully rely on God and not try to do it all on your own, to get to know him intimately on a daily basis, have that real relationship with him, and to spend daily time in his word, to pray daily, to ask his spirit to speak to you, to guide you, to reveal things to you, to walk daily with your God. And as I'm thinking about the future of Rise Church and and our community and our, our impact that we'll make, I've been thinking a lot about what we need to do to actually change the world around us in the way that God calls us to. Not filtered through the way that I know is acceptable or that many of you think is acceptable. Not filtered through the view of how churches should operate or have operated in the past. Even some of you have very limited views, if I can be that bold, of what's acceptable in how we do church. And so you think, well, you know, we'll just do church the way it's always been done. And guess what? You won't get into trouble if you do that. (laughs) But you know what else? You won't make the impact that God wants you to make in the world either. One thing that God has been saying to me a lot lately, if you're interested in hearing it, is, Jared, you have to stop living in the past. You know, you were having a conversation with a completely different group of people. The people have grown. The people have changed. It's a different group of people now. It's a different world now. Everything is changing in a lot of ways. So you've got to start living in the present, Jared, and have a conversation with the people as they are right now in the context of the world as it is right now. And I wonder how many of us are willing to leave the comfort and the normalness of the past for what God is doing right now? Are you willing to, yes, build on the past, but live in the present so that you can live for the future? Put away the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And here's the line. But will you even be aware of it? Will you perceive it? And then he gives us this strange little beautiful uh, poetic imagery, right? He says, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. So God is saying, look, in the past, you guys were standing against an ocean of water and I gave you dry land so you could get across. Stop looking for me to do that again, though. I'm doing a new thing now. This time you're wandering in the desert. There is no ocean. There's no water. So I can't really part the desert. It it, it doesn't really work as a metaphor. You're wandering in the desert. So instead, I'm going to bring water to the wasteland, out of the wasteland, so you can have a drink. And the miracle I'm going to bring is not this miracle of deliverance and setting you free by dividing the waters like you're praying for. That was a different context. That was a different world. That was a different time. Instead, I'm going to give you this miracle of abundance by letting you wander in the desert for a while. 
oh, I don't want to though, but I'm going to allow you to, and I'm going to show you how to thrive in dark and dry places. But stop looking in the wrong place because if you keep looking for me in the past, he's saying, you will miss me in the present and in the future. See, what God wants to do with you in the future may be completely different from what he has done with you in the past. And what God is doing right now, as many of us feel like we're wandering in the desert, is he's trying to show us a new thing, but are you able to perceive it? Will you even attempt to be aware of it? Will you ask him to show it to you? See, what God wants to do with you in the future, it's different. Is it possible? Think about this, look at me. Is it possible that what God has you doing this year, right now, in this moment, is simply preparing you for an entirely new chapter of your life next year? You know, some people think dreaming about the future is supposed to be this, like, glamorous thing. But it's not always like that. Sometimes dreaming about the future can be very painful and very disappointing. Dreaming is not always glamorous, but it is essential. It's necessary. It's critical. If you stop dreaming, you're going to stop moving forward. Of course dreams don't always come true. That's a fact. Of course you're going to be disappointed sometimes. Of course your longings don't always come to pass. Of course your visions don't always become reality. Of course your prayers are not even always answered as you think they should be answered. That's not the point though. That's never been the point. What dreaming does is it makes the pain worth it. You see, I'm constantly dreaming about the future of Rise Church and our people and how God's going to use us to, to impact the world. I'm dreaming about that in the context and in the middle of what we're going through in the present moment, as hard as it is, and in the context of the hard and good we've been through in the past. And because of what I see coming in the future, which I'm very excited about, it makes the pain of today worth it. What a sense of calling does is it gives you the determination to overcome your failures. Without the calling, you're never going to get there. And what that, what that sense of meaning and destiny, though, brings to your life is that God is not only the one who was in your past and in your present, but he's also going to be in your future. And I know this, guys, without any doubt, as we continue this rocky 2020 journey, <laughs> there is a future that God is imagining for you and for us right now that will not happen if you do not engage the right now and the future with courage and determination and faith and hope. So my prayer is that that would start to rise up within you. And guys, I, I don't even fully understand why or how, but I do know that God designed and created the universe in such a way that your participation is necessary in order to activate your future. That he doesn't just do it all for you. You are to be involved in the process. And if you simply sit around moping and negative and waiting for it to come, you will be waiting forever. But if you believe it's coming and you will step out and act by faith, 
I am absolutely certain that in many ways, what's coming next will be some of the greatest years that we have ever lived. Because it'll be building on all that's happened prior, including what's happening now. And I'm excited. Are you excited? Can you, can you hang on to that vision? Can you grab hold of that vision with everything in you? If you're excited and you're watching live, just go ahead and type into the comments, I'm excited. I'm excited. Or you could say, the future is God's. The future is God's. The future is God's. Let those flow in. Let's pray together. God, I know with everyone watching through these screens right now, gosh, there is just so much talent and so much potential and so much calling on all of these lives collectively that it is such a force for your kingdom if we were to all unite with the same purpose. And I know in some strange way that the future is first imagined in your mind and then created. And I just ask you, God, for the people listening right now, for the person listening right now, that you would shake them out of any kind of slumber that they might be under. That you would wake them up and help them to live free in your grace and in your purpose. God, free them from the paralysis of apathy, of fear, doubt, constant negativity, being cynical all the time. Cynicism never helped anything. I pray, Lord God, that if we fail, it's because we dream too big, not because we dream too small during this time. I pray that it's because we risked too much, not because we risked too little. And God, I just want to ask you to help each person see that whatever their role is in the writing of history and the creation of the future, that their part is important. Their part is vital, essential, viable. God, they are of so much value and worth to you. They matter to you. And it doesn't matter how big or small it may seem to them. I pray, Jesus, that today you would give them that sense that you have created them to do something that matters to your kingdom eternally. God, help us to build on the past. Help us to live in the present moment and to live for the future. God, use us individually, use us in our families, in our homes, and as a broader community to create a future that our city and our world needs. God, we want to be a part of your greater design, your greater purpose, not passively, but proactively. This is our prayer as we move forward through this chaotic time. That we would make the conscious choice to live each day to its fullest, no matter what is happening around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.